Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey guys, welcome back to Inside the Five and your hour. Everyone's Boston Celtics are going to the NBA Finals. Boys, how are we feeling? I mean, instant reaction. I just want to say first off, um, you said your hour, everyone's Boston Celtics. This isn't everyone's Boston Celtics. These are our Boston Celtics. It's been a long time coming. The greatest franchise in sports history is finally back where they belong. Jason Tatum is the next coming of Michael Jordan. Jalen Brown is the next Scottie Pippen. And Rob Will is my next Dennis Rodman. Those are my first instant reactions. This is exactly where we should be, and this is the start of something special. No, and it's just like we're at the state. Hold, Okay, pause for the Celtics for one second. The Rangers just scored a goal a minute into the game. However, back to the Celtics. Um, it doesn't feel real right now because we've gone to the Eastern Conference Finals, what, four times since the last time that we actually made the finals, and they've all been heartbreaking losses. And we finally got over that hump. We finally beat the Heat, who have been giving us problems and headaches forever. Um, it wasn't a pretty Game 7 win. I think We were all together. We all thought that Jimmy Butler go-ahead three was going to go in. But it didn't, and the Celtics are going to the finals. They're playing in Golden State tomorrow night, obviously the night after this episode will air, but or the night before the episode will air. Yes. Okay. But um, I'm excited, man. Like, the last time the Celtics were in the finals, what were we, nine? So it, it's a surreal feeling. I'm very happy. I mean, it's time to play. This is where, this is where the men arise here. We need – we had to come together as a team once again. I mean, we fought through three. I mean, the first series wasn't as grueling, but technically by, I think, I forgot what stat it was, but I think uh, I heard somewhere that technically uh, our first series against the Net- Nets was the closest series, even though the series against the Bucks and the Heat both went to game seven. But this is going to be a tough series too. We're, we're in, we're, we're playing, we're, we're going through an absolute gauntlet to get here, and we have to finish with literally the final gauntlet, and it's going to be a tough one. But we'll see what happens. And, and speaking of the end of this road, we're going up against a very impressive Warriors team who I think at the time of last week's episode, we already knew they were in, right, because they won on yeah. Thursday. So um, mm-hmm. we knew that they were going to be our opponent if we were to win. We got it done in seven, but the Warriors are, I'd say, the toughest team that we've played so far. Because look, looking at our road, like you said, we beat the Nets in four, even though the point differential was the closest out of all the series, which is a big surprise because, I mean, we went, what did we, seven games in both series after that, and, and the point differential wasn't as close. Um, but but then we went on, we took on Giannis without Chris Middleton, and, and a lot of people brought up things around that. Still a very solid Bucks team. Same with the Heat, we're dealing injuries. The thing is, though, we've been dealing with injuries, too, and we are still dealing with injuries. 
looking over to the Warriors side, they have a lot of people coming back. I, I, I've heard that Gary Payton has a chance to come back, not for game one, but later in the series, if need be. Andre Iguodala is going to be there. Um, I, there's just uh, it's kind of nerve wracking when it comes to the Warriors. But I think out of all teams out of the Eastern Conference um, to play in the NBA finals, we, we've got the best shot to beat the Warriors and they're pretty dang good. Well, I mean, apparently we have an 86% chance to win the NBA Finals, as said earlier today, which is a crazy stat to think of. But, I mean, if we're going to break down both teams' rosters, we are the bigger team. We should be able to dominate. Yes, the Warriors are elite shooters, always have, always will be until that era is over. But as long as we stay big, get boards, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to win the series. Um, So we were talking about this on Saturday night, or no, it was Sunday night. I'm sorry for after Game Sunday. Seven. We don't hate the Warriors. In which, like this playoff series, is the first time all playoffs that we don't face an opponent that we just don't like. Like I have a lot. I mean, I'm sure Steph Curry's listening, and he's gonna be like, "Thank God." I have like a lot of respect for the Warriors, especially because they're another home built team. Like, everyone on that team besides Andrew Wiggins has been brought up through that system and has been improved. Like, you got to think of their starting five, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. I mean, Andrew Wiggins just signed, but he was kind of in no man's land with his career with the Timberwolves. Um, Draymond Green and, like, Kevon Looney or whoever they start at center, those are all guys that they brought up through that system. And the Celtics, you look at them, it's basically the same thing. You know, you got Marcus Mart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Rob Williams, and then you got Al Horford, who was brought in. So a lot of these core pieces are home-built guys who, for both teams, which is just awesome. And it's the NBA is kind of trending away from having all these super teams succeeding. Like, you look at Brooklyn, who both of the stars for Brooklyn, KD left Golden State to team up with Kyrie, who left Boston to team up in Brooklyn, and they got bounced and swept in the first round. And now both of their former teams are playing each other in the finals. So what does that say about them? I don't know. But this is going to be an awesome finals, guys. We're in for a treat. And early prediction, I'm going to say Celtics in six. And here's why. I'm going to break down the series game by game. Game one, I think we lose. We always lose game one. It's always going to be a – it's a very different series than Miami because Miami's more of a physical team, defensive-minded. They can't score in the half court. And that completely changes with Golden State, who – can score from anywhere on the court, literally. Game two, we bounce back. We don't lose back-to-back games. We split in Golden State. We win both games at home. We lose game five. We win game six at home. I'm very confident that this team knows the fact that they have been terrible at home. And there's going to be something different about the TD Garden come NBA Finals. Yeah, we've said that kind of every single series. But the NBA Finals is completely different than the second round against Milwaukee. It's completely different than game three against Miami, you know. And you take away a Jimmy Butler absolute masterclass and Jalen Brown missing two free throws, we win game six anyways. So I think there might be a little bias here, but I think the Celtics can get it done in six. I think we match up very well with the Warriors and – their death lineup is way too small for the Celtics. To, or their the Celtics are way too big for them. Griff, what do you think? I was. Oh. Well, I mean, you wanted to jump on it. Well, that's all. 
I, I was going to say almost the same thing, Stav. I was thinking about it all day today. I had a lot of time at work. It was really slow today. So I was like, kind of just breaking down the series in my head, like what, what kind of I'm expecting to see or what I think is going to happen. And in my head, I can't see anything other than Celtics in six right now. We're just a much bigger team. We should be able to outbody and outboard them. Yes, they can sit there and take all the shots, but we have the defensive player of the year and we are the best defensive team left in the playoffs. And we are probably the best defensive team in the league. There's no reason why we shouldn't be able to step up when the time is needed to win this series in six. And in my head, I was thinking, well, if we're going to win in six, we have to account for at least, obviously it's going to like, we have to account for Steph Curry and all of them to go off at least twice. You have to expect that we're guaranteed at least two games for them to go off. And I think we're able to split with them at home for the first two games. I think that's what we should expect. I don't think we're going to take both. I think we need to take at least one and then we should be able to take all of our games at home when needed to. And then we have, we go back to their place game, uh, what game five. And that should be, that should be a game we take. We come back home and we're done. Right. Looking at this series, like we said, we know who's going to bring production out of that other side. Um, Has been super solid is Andrew Wiggins. And and that's kind of someone that scares me because when you look at the Celtics, our best player, obviously, is Jason Tatum. That's most likely going to be the matchup. I don't see Draymond Green guarding Jason Tatum. I know Draymond Green is a two-time defensive player of the year. He's very solid defensively. But he's not as like versatile of a defender as he was while he was a defensive player of the year. He's been through a couple of injuries. Um, in my opinion, he's a little slower than he was. He can't keep up with someone like a Jason Tatum. I just don't really see that happening. This is going to be Andrew Wiggins assignment and Andrew Wiggins, who has been very solid throughout this uh, playoff run for them is going to have a big test. In my opinion, his biggest test so far um, when, when it comes to the backcourt of the Warriors, Clay Thompson as well. That, that, that's someone that we've looked at for years as someone that's been a premier 3 and D guy. He's going to have Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown, who we always poke jabs at saying he can't dribble, he's going to be put to the test. Because there's going to be nights where that uh, defense is solely focused on Jason Tatum. And Jalen Brown's going to have to be the guy that scores 30, 35, even maybe 40 points. And, and I really think that we're going to have a couple games where we're going to need these other guys to really step up. Marcus Smart to have 20 without hopefully taking 45 shots. And we just really need our bench guys to come through. We need everything because this Warriors team is solid. And I think that we're better than them. And I think that we're taller than them. And I think that we are better defensively all around than them. But one thing that that Warriors team has is consistency. You know what they're going to bring to you, and and we just need to be able to stop it. And and if we can't do that, then it's going to be a long series. And if we can do that, then we're going to be walking out as champion stuff. Well, you got to think of it like this. You got to assume that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's productivity will cancel out Steph Curry and Klay Thompson's. You got to hope maybe they even get the edge because I do think at this point right now that Jalen Brown is a better player than Klay Thompson with all the injuries that Clay's dealt with, but Clay is still an incredible player. He can still go for 30 a night. So you just got to hope that they outproduce them. And then, like you said, it comes down to the other guys. Can the other guys step up? Because the Warriors all playoffs long have gotten that success from the other guys. You know, Jordan Poole's a guy who can go out and get you 30. Andrew Wiggins is a guy who's going to get you 20. Draymond Green says he might not fill up the the scoring column, but he will fill up every other stat possible, including technicals and regular fouls. 
And then they have their, their ace in the hole with Kevon Looney, who's going out in the Western Conference Finals and getting you 20 and 15. So that's something I wasn't really expecting to see out of the Warriors. A major credit to them for giving Kevon Looney a chance, and he is stepping into that role and fulfilling it. However, the Mavericks didn't have as much of an inside presence as the Celtics do, so I don't see Kevon Looney doing that again. Because look at the bigs that the Celtics have faced in the playoffs so far. I think Kevon Looney is very comparable to like Nick Claxton. And then Brooke Lopez, I think, is better than Kevon Looney. And then Bam Adebayo is obviously the one of the best centers in the league. So I think the Celtics have a favorable matchup go like with the other guys. Right. I wanted to say just that. Look, looking at Kevon Looney, he had such an impressive Western Conference Finals. And this is the thing. I've been – you can claim me as a Mavericks hater throughout this whole playoff series, and you guys had a lot of high hopes for them, and, and they almost did come through. They went way further than I thought they were going to. The big reason for that was because of their interior presence. Kevon Looney had such a great series. Rob Will, and I know he's not healthy, is not Dwight Powell – and he's not – who else do they have over there? Kleber. Like, we have a center. The Mavericks don't have a center. So, if they come out there with Kevon Looney and he plays 30 minutes in game one, Rob Will is going to eat him alive. Rob Will at 50% health is better than Kevon Looney. I, I agree with you, Stav. I think he's around a Nick Claxton in, in terms of overall skill. I really don't think he's – 20 and 15 like he was in the Western Conference Finals. He just owned that matchup. He doesn't own it in this series. Yeah, oh. it's our will you go. I was going to say like I totally like agree, but I want to say like a big point the Celtics need to be wary about is their ability to stay consistent throughout the entire game and not have such a big drop off where they give up a big run because the Warriors are notorious right now in the playoffs for making big big comebacks and being able to come back very quickly and we have blown Quite a few games so far this pl- this this playoff run, and we've been struggling to stay alive at some points, especially the third quarter, and especially right off the bat. Recently, we haven't been too bad off the bat of the game, but like there's been a few times where we started off super super slow, and you could just tell like we we can't basically we can't afford to come out flat at all in any single one of these games, and we can't afford to die off after halftime and then try to come back alive in the fourth because you can't well, do it against this Warriors team. That's a great point. Um, if the Warriors were the Heat and the Celtics were up by 13 and played like or closed out that game as they did in game seven, that would have been a 10 point loss. So easily they need to find that killer instinct. I know that they have it, but they need to close out games a lot better because I have not, I feel like everyone, no one's comfortable with like a 10 point lead with two minutes left. Um, I feel like that difference was going to come from Rob Will in the paint because we have that advantage. Yeah, and, and I feel like another thing is when we have those leads, and we saw it in Game 7, I feel like we have the killer instinct. It's just through the wrong players. Like, we saw Marcus Smart jack up, like, just so many threes while we're up double digits. And, and in my opinion, that's the sole reason why we let them back into it. We're just putting the ball in the hands of the wrong players. And I'm not saying it has to be in Jason Tatum's hands at all times because, you know what, he's going to get double teamed. He's going to get forced to give up the ball. And, and Marcus Smart is a guy who we saw it in in game two of the net series. That one play, that one play might be my favorite Marcus 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Usually would take that three ball, but instead pump fake had two people bite. We need that Marcus Smart. We need a Marcus Smart who, when Jason Tatum gets doubled and it's clay on him and Marcus Smart's wide open, Marcus Smart pump fakes, makes one person bite. That takes three players out of the play. That leaves Jalen Brown or Al Horford or Rob Will for a, a oop. Like that's going to make people open. Marcus Smart sometimes needs to f- fill the lane with the ball realize that he can get others open instead of just taking a shot because he thinks he's open. He needs to become a true point guard right here. And I believe that he can. I just, the fact that people are putting his name in a big three of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I feel like puts it into his head that he's part of that big three because of offense. And that's all that that means. He's the third member of that big three because of his defensive ability, not because of him putting up 20 shots a game and only scoring 12 points. Oh, I'm. I've, the injury report was updated. Marcus Smart got taken off of the injury report, which I'm very happy to see. But Rob Williams is still questionable. If he's a hundred percent, there's no reason why he shouldn't get you a double double in these playoffs. And I just think that we need to give a little more credit to Al Horford for how he's played this playoffs. He is such an unsung hero, even though he does get some credit. I think he deserves more. He played 40 minutes. I think he played over 40 minutes in Game Seven and secured a ton of key rebounds down the stretch, especially in the fourth quarter. And the Heat won a little 8-0 run to start the fourth quarter, brought it within two. And that's when Ime Udoka called the timeout and brought Rob Williams back in. I'm sorry, brought Al Horford back in for Rob Williams. So they need – Al Horford is a major key to this team. And with him being successful, with him, if he's able to play – like 40 minutes at a high level, that is such an advantage for the Celtics because he's someone you can trust even if he doesn't score because he's going to grab every single rebound that's out there. He's not going to get out-hustled. I was just going to say that too. I was like, Al Horford is a very high IQ basketball player. We saw in game seven that he was struggling with his shots, but he provided for us in every other way possible. With, honestly, without him in those key moments in game seven, we probably would have lost this game. We we let them come back way too Like we, we let them in the game too easily. And then with him on the floor being able to contribute, yeah, he took his shots. Yeah, he missed in some in some key moments where we could have used a basket, but he came in so clutch and made the correct plays and made the right reads on offense and did, did pretty much all the right things we needed to. And obviously some nice shots aren't going to fall, but like we need that out of almost all of our guys. Yeah. And I mean, looking, looking towards our bench, I feel like a lot of productivity is going to have to happen from there. Um, we've been running an eight-man rotation since we kind of found our new team, right? And, and my guess is that it's going to be Pritchard in there sometimes. It's going to be um, D. White. It's going to be Grant Williams. Those are three guys that we actually 
really need in this series. Because like we've been saying, the role players of Golden State have been coming through this whole postseason. I don't really expect that to stop. I think Jordan Poole is here to stay. And that's a guy who can carry a whole bench unit. And, and he's going to be very successful. Grant Williams needs to be back to where we thought he was going to be. Because in my opinion, the past series, he really hasn't played up to the standards that I mean, at least I hold him at. I, I really think that he's better than what he did. And I'm not saying he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't really that great. We saw a couple of games where he ball. Um, he's supposed to be one of our three-point shooters, like one of our better three-point shooters. He was almost a 50-40-90 member, which would have actually been nuts. And to be honest, completely didn't deserve to be in that uh, group because those are like the most prestigious basketball players of all time. But, I mean, that would have been hilarious if he wasn't there. But Grant Williams is a guy that, matches up in my opinion very well when it comes to playing against this golden state bench and he's going to be a very big key in, in this finals and i think peyton pritchard holds the same his ability to break presses he's going to tire out the defense of the warriors hopefully he can hit a couple three balls as well and he's not going up against the kyle lowry or max Struess now his defensive ability is still going to be put on a display case of how how not well he performs on defense but he's going to have a little bit easier of a ride because it's not as physical against the Warriors as it has been the past few series. And I think that plays a major advantage to the Celtics because now they're the physical team. They're the team that's going to be running through you because the past two series have been an absolute boxing match. You know, I was listening to the Locked On podcast before uh, the Celtics won, and John Corrales made a great point. The heat in the Bucks are like boxing Mike Tyson. And then you hop in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. There's a big adjustment there. There's one more finesse. One's quick. One's just going to hit you as hard as they can. So now you're the aggressor. You have to be the aggressor. And you can't let guys like Draymond Green dictate the physicality in this series. And depending on certain matchups, I wouldn't be surprised if Rob Williams comes off the bench because if the Warriors run that death lineup that they like of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, we probably match that with Marcus Smart, Derek, excuse me, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, or maybe even Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, and Al Horford or Rob Williams, depending on who's performing and doing what, because it's there's a lot of cause and effect, and there's a lot of pros and cons to going our normal starting lineup against that lineup. Because yeah, we're bigger than them, but we're also a lot slower. They get out in transition. We think the Heat are a good transition team. Wait until we see this finals against the Warriors. We cannot turn the ball over, or we're going to be down by thirty like that. Because the Warriors are still that team that can just quickly go on runs, and before you know it, you're down by 25 points with five minutes left in the game when you're just up by one. So they need to take care of the ball. I don't think the Warriors' half-court defense is necessarily as good as Miami's, but you just can't play sloppy. you got to take care of the ball. you got to take high-quality shots, and you got to rebound, and that's how you beat the Warriors. And those are all areas that we're good at, but sometimes we kind of lack in consistency, right, Stav? We're – 
when we're playing at our best, we are one of the most physically dominating teams, and that's exactly what we need to do against Golden State. And, and when it comes to turnovers, that's something that I feel happens a lot uh, from the Celtics, and, and it's something that can totally be manageable. It's just a matter of making the right passes. Um, a lot of passes I feel like are weak. Our passing lanes get cut off. Jimmy Butler was very talented in that um, category, was very um, successful when it came to pass or cutting off passing lanes and finding turnovers, kind of just jumping those lanes, getting wide open transition layups and dunks. That's not something you can do against the Warriors because if you they're going to pass it out to him, he's going to shoot a three, there's three points, and that's just going to keep adding up. This is a team that they will take advantage of your flaws. So straight up, we're in the NBA Finals. We just really can't have those flaws. Like just the dumb little stupid mental mistakes those need to be out of the window now. This is, I mean, I know every team has their little things that they're not good at. We're in the NBA Finals now. Like, this is it. Like, we really cannot fold any of these possessions. And a guy that I've noticed had a lot of turnovers over this Heat series um, was Derek White. And it's always not, it's not from him getting poked or anything. It's from him making a pass and that lane getting cut off. And an interception. That that's something that really needs to be cleaned up if we're going to be um, a good team going up against this Warriors team. Because I mean, that's what they do best, as you said. And I think that's a good transition point into our awesome Boston Red Sox. Um, that's what so you want to call it. From the last time that we recorded, they sucked, right? I'm trying still to kind think. of do. Yeah. No, they, yeah. they, they, they're so bad. They lost last night, Tuesday night, to the Cincinnati Reds, who are the worst team in baseball. And it, it's just such a seesaw event with this team. Like, one day we're going to the World Series. The next day we're the worst team in baseball. And, but like, we started off, Stav left. But anyways, we started off so slow. I'm going to pick it up from there. We, we started off so slow. We found a little spark in the month of May, and that came from people like J.D. Martinez, Will. It came from Rafi, the guys that we expected. In a big – I got you, Stav. I picked up. Um, and a big guy that um, really came through for us was our new signing of Trevor Story in the month of May. And from there, we thought it was smooth sailing, right? We thought we were back to where we were. We thought we were a postseason team looking to compete in October. And we go on these little slumps. In a big slump that we went on, or just straight up a series that should have been different, was against these Baltimore Orioles. As we lost it, we had a five-game slate because of a doubleheader from a game that we had to make up. And in the games that we won, we looked awesome. We won a game five to very impressive day. The other game that we won, we won 12 to two. We put up so many runs. The next day to end the series, um, we're tied two to two. Let's see who's going to win this series. We lose that game 10 nothing. And yes, it was Rich Hill on the mound. And, and we can make all the excuses we want about, oh, that's our last person in the rotation or whatever. He's still in our rotation and he's going to be pitching every five days. So this is, I mean, we've been talking about it since the beginning, or not even the beginning of the season, even since when we were still locked out. 
We knew what was going to give us the most problems. That was our pitching staff. That has really proven to be true. I've seen a lot of word of Chris Sale starting to get back to a little bit more intense throwing sessions, all of that. There's still no word on any rehab dates or, or anything from him. So as of right now, and I've, I've been having this in my mind, I don't even think of Chris Sale as a member of this team. I know that he's going to come back, but the inconsistency of his health is something that I can't really bank on for this team. We're in a two-game slate against Cincy. This is this is a slate that, in my opinion, we needed to win both. But we already haven't, or we already lost game one. We're up four nothing at the time of this recording. And Whitlock is a guy that's been pretty impressive throughout this. I don't think he has any strikeouts, but we're in the six. He's only at sixty-two pitches. Coming up. I mean, throughout the month of June, by the way, guys, welcome to June's my birthday month. Um, this is going to have to be a big month, right? Because going into July, that's when we get back into the AL East. But in June, we got the A's, we got the Angels, the Mariners again, then the A's again. We have St. Louis, who has been pretty impressive, back to Detroit, and the Guardians to finish off, as well as the Toronto Blue Jays. Looking out at this month, Stav, do you see us over 500 by then? We're kind of floating around there, and, and, and we have a couple, in my opinion, favorable matchups. Do you see us being over 500, or do you think we're just going to continue to float just under, and this is just how our season's going to go? Well, as of right now, we're obviously we're four games under 500. Hopefully, we'll be three games under 500 by the end of tonight. It's going to be tough, to be honest. I mean... A West a ten game West Coast trip is not really favorable, um, especially with a majority like those games being against the Angels. The Angels are a very good team. The Angels are one of the better teams in baseball. They got two of the best stars in baseball. We all know that, but we have two series against Oakland, who is not a good team. We should win all mm -hmm. six of those games, and then you just got to play split. You know. You got to play split. You got to think we're going to lose some, win some from there. I think we'll be around 500. I think with a game, give or take, you know, either a game under or a game over 500 by the end of the month. Obviously, I hope that they go on a 20 game win streak and they're back in the wild card race and all this stuff. But I just don't see that happening. Every time that we think something great's happening with the Red Sox, they turn around and just slap us in the face. So until I see consistency, I'm not going to say that they're back you know what i mean as many have said i'm not sold i'm not even sold on the fact that we might even win all games against the a's everything we say right now is a maybe it might happen i don't know we have rich hill pitching every five days in my opinion obviously we knew like you said griff going into the season that our rotation in the bullpen was our weakest spot last year it was also our weakest spot but when chris sale came back all of our starters were actually really pretty good and then our bullpen wasn't awful. It definitely could have been better. But we have we have downgraded astronomically since last year somehow, almost all around. Our offense is fine. We are showing up to play on offense. If we didn't have to pitch at all and we just had our offense, hell yeah, we'd, we'd be looking at the playoffs pretty well if we just had anyone consistent pitching. As of right now, I can't see us being over 500. We might actually be a few more games down from 500 at the end of this month look, from where we are now. We might catch up a little bit, and then we'll probably slip down a little bit just because of how inconsistent our pitching is. Until we – like right now, I know 
All-Star break, what is next month? We have some time to really analyze what we got going here. But if we really want to sit in the wild card, especially in our division as one of the toughest divisions in baseball, right? we need to make a move now and not at the All-Star break when the trade deadline comes by. We, we can't afford to waste another month. Uh, if we waste another month, we might be 10 games down from 500 and the Orioles might be better than us. And we're completely almost – we're basically eliminating ourselves from the playoffs earlier than we need to be if we stay at this rate. We're like, There's no chance that we are going to be able to survive our division if we play the way we're playing. Exactly, because – in the AL Central, right? Like, we're not – we're playing in the AL East. This is arguably the toughest division in all of baseball when it comes to the Yankees, when it comes to the Rays and the Blue Jays. And, and Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We can't just look at it, like say, oh, we're like 10 games or 15 games behind this team right now, because that's not going to change unless we change. And in my opinion, um, Heim Bloom has been awful. He's been awful. It's not even borderline bad. It's been awful. The only good thing he's done is sign Trevor's story. Um, the fact that Xander and Rafi have not gotten a contract is mind boggling. I think all other 29 MLB teams by now would have secured them and they would have been happy with that. I think that that plays a large factor as well. They we're, We've been getting so much production out of them. If we can set their contract up, that, that I mean, that shows our budget for making new moves and going out, getting different players from trades. We need to secure them, guys. We need to secure them. We need to know how much money we're giving them. And then we need to go out there and make some moves. And that has to happen within the next two months because without that, and if we just go out is going to be available to give them, and that's going to be very dangerous for us. Well, not only that, we've just assigned them just to see how much money we're, we can allocate to the rest, see who we can sign, see what we can do. But we also have to keep in mind that Xander and Rafi are both having amazing years so far, and it's being under under undershadowed by our pitching as well as they're not signed. Like they're they're playing for a contract right now for another team. They're both batting outstanding. They're both playing great in the field. They're doing everything that need that they need to to secure a huge contract, and they're not going to get it from us. If they keep playing like this and we lose them, it will be the biggest mistake we've ever made. Yeah, no, it's you got to give. I mean, even financially speaking, you got to give the guys the biggest contracts that put people in the seats. I'm sorry, Haim, no one's there to watch you. Like, Boston, as a city, they love Rafi, and they absolutely love Xander. There's absolutely zero reason why those guys shouldn't be brought back. And as a Red Sox fan, I would really question my fandom if both of them ended up walking in free agency because we didn't give them the contract that they wanted. Because not only are they producing, they're the biggest stars that you have. 
Rafi Devers is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Like, he's 24 years old, and he's batting 344 right now. Like, he's our best player. Xander Bogarts is our second best player. And those two, right now, their, question, their, their future as a, in a Red Sox uniform is up in the air, which should never happen. Heim Bloom should be working 24-7 until those guys are signed. And yet, it doesn't seem like he cares. I, dude, it, it really seems like he's doing nothing but going to these games and getting put on the camera on Nesson because that's what he wants, right? His goal when he got um, a contract to be the general manager of the Boston Red Sox was to blow things up. His number one job was to trade Mookie, which was understandable because let's be honest, guys, Mookie didn't want to be here, right? From the start, he was talking about how he hated the cold weather, how he I mean, he liked this city, but he, I just, first off, which is the dumbest excuse about the cold weather, because that's something time, how he wanted to play down south, how he wanted to play on the West Coast. He wanted to be in nice weather all year round, and, and he wanted out, right? So if he wanted out, that's what we needed to give him. Heim Bloom got hired to do that, and Heim Bloom got hired to turn this organization back around. And you know what? In my opinion, he's very close to it. He almost did a good job. He hasn't really done anything in terms of our pitching situation. When it comes to our pitchers, and we we talk about Martin Perez all the time, which is hilarious because Martin Perez, who is a veteran, who is known to be terrible. I mean, me and Will went to about four or five of his starts last year, and it was an absolute joke. He has like a 1.5 ERA right now. He pitched seven innings last night, scoreless. Like, he's been electric. And he's not, a guy that's he's not a guy that's that's expensive. And in the MLB, there's so many pitchers available, right? And there's so many trades that could be made for guys that are only on one-year year deals that can be made, right? But Bloom doesn't want to. And we have a great farm system. I'm not knocking our farm system by any means. And a lot of people are comparing our... We have a lot of talent down there, but they're not ready. They're not ready to be in a starting rotation in the MLB. Um, And the main guy we look at is Brian Bello, who just got moved up to AAA. I don't expect him to get moved up for at least the next two, three months. Like, we can't wait. We really can't. And there's guys that we can give up to go out and make moves. And there's obviously guys that we cannot give up. And Heim Bloom just sees it as, oh, we can't give up anything. I like the way that this team is moving. We're going to be good in two years. Heim Bloom, little does he know, this is the Boston Red Sox, keyword Boston. And we're wearing our Eastern Conference Finals champion shirts right now. This is a city of winners. Like, we expect to be at least over 500 every year, at least in the wild card every year. Because if you put us in the wild card, I guarantee the biggest players who are under the biggest stage at Fenway Park are going to come through, right? And that's why I'm saying we need to sign these guys and we need to go out and get these guys because who does not want to play at Fenway Park in October? It's literally the greatest thing in all of baseball. And Heim Bloom, wherever he was before, you're not still there. You're now in Boston. And it is a place where we expect winning. And when we don't get it, 
you're going to get three angry angry 20-year-olds on a podcast like us right now talking about how bad of a job you're doing because, you know what, straight up, you're not doing a good, a good job. And I'm stuttering because I'm actually genuinely pissed off. Our two best players on the team are looking for contracts. And just as you said it, Will, they're performing, right? And they're not performing for contracts with us. They're performing with contracts for other team because Heim Bloom gave them disrespectful deals. And Xander, who's 29, and Rafi, who we said is on Hall of Fame pace, who's 24. These are guys that we can look at while we're rebuilding as guys that are going to be here for at least the next 10 and Rafi 15 to 20 years, right? Lock them up. You need to lock them up. Those are two cornerstones in a franchise. And most franchises don't get two guys that produce at that level. We got lucky enough that they, they're homegrown. We got them. We've brought them up together pretty much. And we should be able to have them for the next 15 years. And if we don't, then it's a massive mistake. And this this is just going to plummet if we lose those two guys. It really doesn't even come down to making those other moves. We have to work from there because if we give them up, we're going to be just like the team we're playing against right now. And My, we, oh. we, um, I'm just going to quickly interject. We sound like a broken record when we say this, but literally every other team will give Rafael Devers, especially a max deal. Like literally every team will give him a phone call. Xander Bogarts, a majority of teams, any team that even remotely remotely needs a shortstop will call him. He's he will be the biggest free agent if he ends up walking, other than maybe Aaron Judge. But you gotta bring him back. There's no excuse, and it's getting really tiring as the days go on. The fact that we haven't re-signed him, it's getting really annoying. It's very tiring. And the fact that I have a couple of final remarks on the Red Sox before we move on. But the thing is, it's like there's a difference between knowing the trajectory of your team and then kind of just sitting in like a no man's land, which is what we're in right now. We have no idea if we want to rebuild. We have no idea if we're re-signing our star players. We have no idea in what direction we go. And we're terrible. We lost in the ALCS last year to the Houston Astros. At that point, you sit down with your team next in the offseason, you're like, all right, we made it to the ALCS. Let's add a couple pieces and you make it to the World Series. Why are we holding ourselves back? We got rid of Hunter Redfro in exchange for Jackie Bradley Jr. That has done nothing but hurt us. No offense to him. I love Jackie Bradley Jr. He's been all right, but not as good as Hunter like, has been. Exactly. Hunter, it, we're talking about completely different situations here. We're, we're giving up a huge bat and also an arm as well for pretty much like an average bat, below average bat, and good fielding, which, like, you can weigh your pros and cons there, but, like, that's a big move that was that didn't even make any sense. Schwarber left. Like, we had, a, we had a team last year that made it to the ALCS and lost, yet that's not awesome because we lost it. But hypothetically, we were, what, one game away from making it to the World Series? We have no excuse here but to look at what we have, re-sign our pieces, gain more pieces, and make it to the World Series, if not win the World Series the following year or within the next two years. Right now, we're looking like we're going right back to where we were after we traded Mookie Betts. Right back down the hole, start from square one, here we go again, and then what do we do now? We have no team, no players, and, I mean, we're still going to be fans, but basically no fans. No one's going to want to watch them. I think we it's should awful. move on from the Red Sox as we are getting our blood pressure up. And 
I'm leaving it to you guys for the Champions League, and I'll interject with points that I know of. Well, I'll, so, I'll I mean, I, off. I was going to say, maybe you should kick us off, unless you want this to just be like the Marvin's Room segment. I'll kick us off. We'll, we'll, we'll shine some light. Um, whatever we talked about <laughs> soccer the last few times, not the last time, but like a long, long time ago, when like Barcelona and Real Madrid played, I think, and I forgot what cup they were playing against. I think I came on the podcast and said that Real Madrid might win the Champions League. And I, I believe I'm on record saying that. So I'm hyped that I managed to predict a huge underdog slate there. But one, I also have to buy a jersey now because I lost but won the jersey bet, I guess. I don't know how you want to – I don't know if that's a win or it's a loss. A like, like, let's be it's real, Will. You wanted like, to buy the jersey. Well, well, there's no reason to make the jersey bet if you didn't want the jersey to begin with. You know, like, you kind of, like, giving yourself a reason. And then if they don't then, win – Because then it would have been, like, if they – and you have to buy their jersey. You wanted the jersey. Oh, yeah, obviously. Like, I mean, if if they lost, I'm not going to buy it. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, that was just embarrassing. Like, why would I buy it? Like, why would I buy it at that point? But there's really, I mean, they all, the Real Madrid won, won nothing. Liverpool fans couldn't even get into the stadium. It was actually easier to sneak in the stadium by jumping over the gates. We saw that on television. That was probably... If not the craziest thing I've seen at a sporting event, like get like like no one like we we sat down, turned on the game, and it was like all right, the game's delayed thirty minutes, guys, and everyone's like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden they're just like, oh, fans can't get into the stadiums, and there's like one gate open, and you can see about half the stadium in the park. It wasn't even all, every single Real Madrid seat was full, and then oh Liverpool yeah. side was about like seventy percent occupied. Like it, it was literally just Liverpool side that couldn't get in. Which was blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as a Liverpool supporter, as a man that backs the Reds, um, literally only because they're owned by the Red Sox, the, it, 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 it kind of set the tone for the night. It set the tone for the night. It was obvious what was going to happen from there. Oh, like, yeah. But the, yes. one thing, the one thing that we were not expecting was Courtois to put on even better than a world-class performance in that keeping a clean sheet, which was crazy, was on his head the whole game. I don't really know how he did that. There was like Liverpool had so many opportunities to score, they just couldn't get it done because of him. Real Madrid only had one shot, and that was it. And that that was the game. That was the game, and, and that's what soccer is, right? As as a couple of Americans, um, we look for action, and soccer is something that it comes in bundles, right? The action comes in bundles. This is the way that I'm going to put it. And, and looking at how this game went off. That's all it takes, Will, is one shot. And Liverpool, who owned possession, I don't have the exact numbers, just based off of me watching, it was clear that they owned possession. They had way more shots, way more amazing looks, right? All it takes is for one slip-up. And Robertson, the left-back, Andy Robertson, the Scottish hammer, that's that's all it took was for him to mess up. He played way too up, not allowed to run down the right side. And you can blame it on Van Dyke for doing a little contortion of his body. You can blame it on Trent for being a step behind. Bravo was playing left wing, right? And that a clear that just had a very clear run for Valverde. Crossover to Vinicius Jr., who was an absolute stud. And, and that's how the game ended, right? And, and 
coming down to this game, the man of the match, very well deserved, Will, for Thibaut Courtois. He just an absolute, just an absolute class performance. Maybe the greatest performance from a goalkeeper in a Champions League final. That as long as I can remember, yeah. Yeah, I mean, stop. (laughs) How many Champions League finals have you watched off? Few. (laughs) Yeah, it's a (laughs) exactly so. Some the best one stop remembers. Um, for me, I like I'm trying to think of something that. From the um, Stav, who also has a bad streak of watching games that end in nil-nil, so this was a big step up from him. Um, <laughs> Will, like, looking back, not even just through the Champions League or the Champions League final, the only time that I can remember, and this was, like, kind of just put it together throughout a whole run for Italy, in my opinion, that one game that um, Courtois had was better than any game that Donnarumma had for Italy in that Euro final because he pretty much just put the whole team on his back. I mean, he like basically, if we like look at it, like obviously Donnarumma, he was incredible throughout the entire Euro. He was so consistent. He knew what you were going to get out of him, and they got the job done. But if you take a look in, in a one game, like literally winner take all, this is like like pretty much the biggest game of the year. Obviously, the World Cup is this year too. But for a lot of these players, this is like this like like this is a European Championship. Like this is the biggest prize you can win in club football. Club other than, stage other than exactly, if I mean I've never seen a goalie performance like that. Ever like I, I can, you can go back to many many goal performances, but he willed his entire team in net. There you rarely ever see a goalkeeper put the entire team on its back during a game. Yeah, a goal you can say a goalkeeper was on his head. Yeah, it can it can he can hold them to zero goals, but I mean there wasn't even a ch- like they, he could have taken a wide open shot and he could have been on the opposite post aimed aimed completely opposite him, I would have actually thought he would have saved it. There was no doubt in my mind that, that that anything was going to get past him. There's been games that I've watched where goalkeepers have had zero going into like the 75th, 80th minute. I'm like, he might give up a goal. Like the next shot they take, he might let one in. Like, I don't know. They, he had, there was no question that, they, that Liverpool literally wasn't going to score. They would need almost a pen. And at that point, I think he would have saved a pen. I, I really don't think Liverpool had any chance to score other than if they held them to zero and they had to go to pens to finish it off because then the only goals they would have scored would have been the ones that, he, that no one could save. Obviously, like if you give them five pens in a row to take, you're not going to save them all. But he might have. After that performance, you actually don't know. I mean, Will, he was riding on the absolute highest of highs, and you're right. When it comes down to the 75th to the 80th minute, you look at guys that have a, a shutout, and you're like, they, they, I mean, this could be over in a second, right? With one you good, feel the uh, pressure. With one good look. But the thing is, with Courtois in this game, Will, it's not like there wasn't any good looks for Liverpool. The amount of incredible saves, the amount of saves that... Sh- Buddy, in my opinion, I'm going to say this. You could have put any other keeper in the world in that moment, in that exact spot, they wouldn't have made that save. There was so Liverpool many different saves. Three goals. 
Oh my god! I mean, I don't even know how many shots they had. And there, I don't, I there was like two that honestly should have just went in. Should have made a crazy it. save with his hand. He made, made a crazy save knees. with his knee, his shin, yes. like his foot. Like he was like everything. And like the, the the worst part was like for Liverpool is if you look back at all those saves, they weren't even like like hair saves, like hairline saves, like barely flicked off of his hand. Like he had whole hand, whole leg, whole foot. There was like there was like one which I think it was towards the end of the game where he was covering the post and he made a quick save with like the inside of yes. his like leg yeah, yeah, right, and like that right, barely hit the, the inside the solid, of his leg. Yeah, yes. that barely hit his leg, but I mean he still got a good piece of it like to save it. And it, it, it was like they just like they had nothing to to get by him, which was crazy because they outnumbered them in shots that I believe and possession time. I wanted to say. I, I mean, they, I once again, but, I did look at the But that's the thing. That's where you're going to get from Real Madrid, though. They're a fast-paced, very good passing team, which a quick turnover is going to result in Liverpool running backwards. They're they're just too too fast for any. Pretty much, like they 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 had like they dominated even though they were the underdog in most of this. And you could tell after them coming back against PSG, Benzema scoring hat-trick after hat-trick, he was absolutely electric during their Champions League run. I mean, it, honestly, he didn't – I mean, all they needed was honestly Courtois to have the best game of his life, and he did. Like, if you're going against Liverpool, like, especially after not being able to get the Premier League, you, you knew they were going to bring it all for the Champions League, which any team would, but you knew – most definitely that they were going to bring even more than what they already had to the table because they want they need to secure something. Liverpool's a winning team. They they're out there looking for trophies. Right. And the last thing I'm gonna throw out there, Will, I'm gonna give big props to Kareem Benzema, your guy who you're most likely gonna get the jersey of. Um he's a guy that I mean I don't even know how many hat tricks he scored this season, how many goals he scored this season. He's a guy that going into this final, he was the one you were expecting to score, right? Obviously. Oh, 100%. I was expecting like a, a high scoring game, honestly. I was expect. I think yeah. I came out and said four to two Real Madrid. I was four like, I mean, six I goals I is a lot of goals. Right. Yeah. And he's a guy that, once again, he controls the whole game throughout his scoring ability. Something that he did in this game, Will, was he still controlled the game and he didn't have to score. And that's not something that. I was expecting, and I don't think Liverpool was expecting him getting. Mm-hmm. I mean, at one point he was at the box on the defensive side just to take the ball up, right? And, and that's something that in the Champions League final. Because think about this: your your season is over already. This is the last game of your season. Once you're in the Champions League final, your league is already over. And, and Real Madrid won the league, so mm-hmm. I mean they already secured that. And like we said, Liverpool finished second. Um, was looking for something to finish the season with. This is it. You have some time. I mean, the World Cup is coming up, but we have a couple of months before that. I know we've got some international friendlies going on right now. The Nations League is going to be Absolutely dominated this game, in my opinion, without scoring, which is something that we weren't really expecting from him, and and it's what we got from him. And I'm going to say it right now, Will. He just locked up the Ballon d'Or. That's it. He won it. I I really do think so too. I mean, if if we take a look at this game in hindsight, you obviously expect Benson to score a couple of goals, and then you expect him to be out there, world class performance no matter what. Like 
he was out there doing his thing regardless. But I wasn't expecting him to become almost, in, in the nicest way possible, the ultimate distraction for Liverpool. Him being able to take up the ball and just facilitate the game. But, um, but he was out there doing everything possible, and he, he got the job done for them. I mean, the, Liverpool was probably expecting him to go in behind their defense, play very aggressive, and, he, and Real Madrid kind of did almost the opposite. They weren't able to play as aggressive, but they were able to counterattack very efficiently. Obviously, that's how they scored their, their goal. But they, they really – like Benzema didn't have much else to offer on the scoring aspect other than him bringing up the ball, making fluid passes, and keeping their offense rolling and kind of keeping Liverpool's defense on their toes. I mean, that's – you put it on a tee. They, Real Madrid playing perfectly against this Liverpool side, and there's been a lot of talks about um, this. Uh, word on the street is that Salah staying, that Sadio Mane is staying. You know, Trent's going to be a red until he dies because I'm born and raised. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, looking to make another push uh, again next year. What a what a beautiful year that Real Madrid had. Um, beautifully deserved. They they deserved everything they had. Thibaut Courtois, just an absolute, absolute stud in between the pipes. I mean, one of the most impressive performances of all time. Will, since we're still on the topic of uh, soccer and we probably won't talk about it until World Cup time, Maybe very, very early prediction. Very, very early prediction, Will. Who is going to win the World Cup before we head out for this episode? Oh, well, mm-hmm. not every, there's still a couple teams coming in um, because obviously they're playing the Nations League and there's a lot going on. Um, there's a few teams you're going to look at. Um, I'm actually just going to pull up the, the, the groups really quick just so I can take a quick look off the top of my head. I had a couple groups that I was looking at to make a good run. Um, but I had – let me take a look here. Sorry. Um, no, I completely. I mean, I, in the, so in the yeah. Spotlight so, for this one. in my in my opinion, I really do think that. Um, let me see. Here we go. Brazil is going to be a really good team in this run. I feel like they have some facilities to make a good run, especially in their group. They do have not the hardest group, but they they do have a couple challenging opponents in their group. So they they have a good shot to make it out, which they should be able to make it out. I really do think if the U.S. can pull off some dubs against – if they can pull off a dub against England and move through, I really do think they have a strong chance to make a good run. They're a solid team. If they can stay healthy, they can easily make a run. Obviously, that's a little biased, but I really do think they're going to make a good good run. Um, Spain, honestly, I think has a very, very good chance of winning this World Cup solely based off of their young talent. They're, they have a lot of young guys who've been playing very, very well in La Liga, and they're, they're fast, young, just kind of like how Brazil is. They have a lot of young, fast players, too, out there with a good amount of veterans as well as Spain. So I expect them to be up there for winning this World Cup. Right, and, and I like the shout you had about Brazil because you're right, and we, and we just saw one of Brazil's youngsters to perform for his country as well and, and brazil is a team that like you said they have youngsters i mean it's a country that will always have youngsters well and mm-hmm. this is the first in my opinion it's the first um international event 
where Neymar is going to be their veteran. So this is going to be kind of yeah. interesting because we've seen, I mean, Neymar has been their best player for years and, and it's kind of time for him to take more of a captain approach towards this world cup. And I think that's going to be a big thing. Um, a, a team that I'm going to throw out there and this may be a little surprising. I just like their group that they're in out of group C is Argentina. I, I think mm. that they have quite an easy group. Now you can say what you they want do. about Mexico, um, but as a as an American, Mexico completely overrated in soccer. Poland, all they have is Lewandowski. Um, Saudi Arabia couldn't tell you a single or Saudi. Who's Saudi? I honestly couldn't tell you. I was gonna say that this is one of the one of the first like huge world stage like events where honestly in my opinion i don't really see a clear winner like i feel like once we get so we all knew once, Italy was once we get past end. yeah like after we saw the run like they were going crazy like they were like they were just doing their thing like there was no one stopping them i mean england i mean we could have assumed that they could have done something but i mean it was tough that whole run was kind yeah, of crazy but yeah, but this is the first time where I'm just like, well, I mean, Group E is definitely very, very difficult with Spain and Germany and Japan. They're all, they're all good teams. I mean, you could even say Group F is pretty challenging as well, too, with three solid teams, especially Canada. Being, I think it's like the first time in a long time, if not the first time ever. being. In, it's, it's been a while. In the World Cup. Or it might there's be no the first real, time. It might be the first time. There's really no clear winner. I feel like we won't even see it until they start playing. And I'm kind of upset that we can't see it now. Like, it would be starting in the next couple of weeks. But we have to wait, obviously, until the winter time because it's, like, 140 degrees in Qatar right now. Yeah. And they definitely yeah, can't play in that. It's too hot to play right now. I mean, it would have been <laughs> awesome to see it during the summer. It's going to be during football season, however, American football, which – we all know what Stavros is going to be listening or watching. We all know what me and Will are going to be watching. But Black Friday, USA versus England. Oh, have to see all right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I haven't said a thing in about 30 minutes. <laughs> Excuse me, I just choked up the excitement of the fact that we are absolutely going to roll England on Black Friday. I cannot wait. Like, I, everyone knows I'm not the biggest uh, foothead, but... I I'm gonna watch that game. I'm gonna paint my face red, white, and blue, and I am gonna be on Twitter chirping England. You just just know yeah. that. The Twitter the All Twitter right, back beef, to your regular um, schedule program. I think it's yeah, kind of sick that they're like competing with like American football in a way. Like I like I genuinely think it's gonna be cool. Like because of the time difference, like at, like after like Sunday night football, like there might be a game going on afterwards. There will be. Like, 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 th there's gonna be so much to watch. Like, I think that's like awesome. Like, I mean, there's never like really a bad Sunday in football, but like, you know, some Sundays, like the one o'clock slate's a little slow. You know, like it's a good thing to have also going on too. To look I mean, at. while I have while I have my five TV screens set up in my dorm room, maybe, maybe one of them will be um a, a world cup game but you know what's going to be going through the years is the seven hours of commercial free football featuring 100%. scott hansen like there's no doubt change. in my mind that will that. never change um but i guess that's gonna wrap up this episode and stav you brought up some twitter beef by the way thank you guys for 100 followers on twitter uh big feet got a couple more followers on instagram than 100 but twitter's a little bit more difficult of a of a place to grow a following so appreciate that here's to another hundred we will catch you guys. Oh, Will? I have one last thing. It's kind of sad, but I wanted to shine some light on this. Well, not in like a like not in like a good way, but like you know what I'm trying to say. But um, I just want to say rest in peace to Marion Barber. 
Um, he's very, very talented running back, very influential. I just want to say rest in peace. It was kind of tragic. True, very true. Rest in peace to him. Um, we will see you guys when the Celtics are up 2-1 to one, um, in the NBA Finals. And then after that episode, we will see you guys with NBA champion t-shirts. But for now, Stavros, lift it up. It's the Eastern Conference champions. Will has a shirt as well, but I made Will not wear it because I am an asshole. We hope you guys enjoyed. <laughs> we will see you guys next Friday. And peace. Peace. Bye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.